awesome. Awesome. That was awesome. You guys are awesome. No, you're awesome. No, you are awesome. Sir, you are awesome. Seriously. Awesome. 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 Everything is awesome. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I'm your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And we are in the middle of a sweltering heat. Good God, it's not even July yet. Um, Happy Monday. Uh, This podcast episode was supposed to air last week, but um, I got into life. (laughs) Life got in the way between work and family life and all that good stuff, and, and I fell behind on editing. My apologies to the one, the only Brian Durkin from Full Belly Laughs for not giving it up last Wednesday, but that's why we're posting it today on Monday. First thing for the week, not first thing in the morning, but first thing in the week, you know, by the time you can download this, you can drive home from work or drive into work if you're a second shift guy uh, or gal, and you can listen to the conversation part two uh, I had with Brian Durkin from Full Belly Laughs, and we go on to talk about uh, we continue our conversation about Magic the Gathering and some other nerdy things or how we're terrible nerds and stuff. And uh, we, we go like another half hour or so uh, in our conversation before we actually sit down um, and discuss Brian and his comedy and his podcasts uh, and his brand. So, um, and just real quick before I let you go on to that conversation... Because I screwed up last week, you got zero episodes of Everything is Awesome. You're going to get at least two this week, if not three episodes of Everything is Awesome. Uh, That's right. You're going to get the normal episode 19, what you're listening to right now uh, on Monday. Then Wednesday, the normally scheduled podcast is going to be up. Here's a hint. That's our infamous. I've talked about it for weeks now. Uh episode that I sat down and recorded with the one, the only, um, someone that I truly admire and look up to in this podcasting game, uh, Aaron McGathy. Uh, so excited that I get to share that podcast with you guys. Uh, I'm really excited about like the pre-intro that's going to air because it's just, it's so, uh, it's neat. It's uh, a nice insight into like my thought process, I think, and, and how I get nervous and stuff. Um, and then Friday, uh, I may try to post like a, um, a an afterthought of um, interviewing Aaron McGathy because that uh, th- that's an important interview for me. Um, every every interview I do and every conversation I have is important in, in some way. Um, you know, uh, for for whatever reasons, I, I I just like to talk, as you guys know. Um, and having the opportunity to talk to all these different people is really cool. It's the whole reason I do this podcast is to sit down and talk to interesting people. And even if you're not interested, like it just I love talking to people. So if I can get an interesting conversation out of that, and as you know, I like to talk, so um, I will I will pull interesting conversation out of people usually. So. Um, but this one with Erin McGathy, and it's weird, uh, to say her full name every time I refer to her. Uh, but this conversation I had with her, um, is just, it's really special to me because it's the, it's not only the first podcast, uh, interview I'm doing with someone, um, that was on my get list, someone that involved like going through a booking manager to, to get on the show. Um, someone that's like got, has like a, 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 uh, I don't want to say huge, I guess a huge fan, but it's, it was just someone that, uh, of 
uh, uh, fame, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Uh, but more importantly of all that, it, it's, it, she truly is just one of those people I, I, I admire in this in this field. So um, I believe she did a podcast years ago on This Feels Terrible with um, with Mark Marin, who uh, I think, if I remember correctly, she said is one of her inspirations for her podcast. And, like, truly... Um, you know, uh, this podcast, everything is awesome stems from, um, a very similar world. And, and, uh, I, I don't know that she necessarily inspired it because her, before I listened to this, uh, this feels terrible. I listened to human conversation and Harmontown and it was just kind of a different kind of podcast podcasting that I used to do. Um, but, uh, so I think I started this podcast before I started listening to this is, uh, this feels terrible, but truly, you know, because I've known Aaron from other podcasts, um, and I just, I quickly like grew to admiring her as an interviewer and, and podcaster and stuff. And there's, you know, I can count three people who, who are those people. And one of them is Aaron McGathy. So the fact that I got to sit down and talk to someone, um, that, uh, that I idolize or I admire or whatever you want to say is just so freaking fantastic. Um, so, uh, so I will have, a lot to say, I think, post-interview, like, after listening to it so many times, I think I have some more things to say about it, and I may do a quick 15-minute, um, um, bonus episode, uh, on Friday, so that, that means Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you get some Everything is Awesome, it's gonna be an awesome week, we're burying the lead, we're, we're, we're crushing, we let's, let's not worry about any of that, today is all about Brian Durkin from Full Belly Laughs, let's get into it right now, here, on everything is awesome only on awesomepodcast.com. I stopped playing Magic like in middle school because this the, like the crappy comic book store that I was playing at like just stops kind of supporting space for people to play. Um, so then I just stopped playing it for a while, and then I bumped into some people like at the mall or whatever um, that played it, and it was like another comic book store was kind of crappy, but good sharpshooter players would show up to like you know, get great trades off people. But like, for some reason I got talking to those people and they're like, Oh yeah, you should come to this other place. You know, uh, alternate universe is great card stores dedicated to cards. And I went there and I just like changed my life. You know, it was, it was this haven for people that took cards like really, really seriously. And there were like a lot of really, really good, like great players that, that played there, you know, like people that had made the magic pro tour. And then for, you know, other card games that I played, like the Versus System card game, like I played that for a little while. And then the contingent of people that I played with, like we were qualifying for like every one of their pro circuit events. And, you know, a friend of mine had won the equivalent of like, you know, two, they were called like uh, 10Ks. They would be like the equivalent of like a Magic Grand Prix for like a sports reference for the layman's that have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, it would be like the equivalent of like if there was like, not something as big as like the U.S. Open or British Open, but like an open golf tournament where like all the pros play in. He he basically okay. won like two of those. Um, so yeah, like a lesser U.S. Open, he like won two of them, and then yeah, it's fun. You know, like when you are playing with great people, and it's like, you know, I'm hanging out with that guy the week before he leaves for that trip, and we're both studying results, and we come to the card shop. And it's like, I have a great idea. And he's like, I have a great idea too. And it's like, all right, you go first. And it's like, 
hey, I think this strategy would be good. And then the other person immediately says, that's what I was thinking. And then he wins some giant tournament the next weekend. It's fun. It's exciting, you know, and it, and it makes it, 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 um, it removes the Hollywood factor. Like I remember the first time I played on like a versus pro tour, it was, I was like very nervous, you know, cause I was, I was, I was in the same, like I'd been following it for a while. And that was like my first big invitational event. And I'd read these articles from people and read the coverage. And I'd be like, Oh my God, there's so-and-so and there's what's his face, you know? And then you get there and then you just realize like, they're just some other fucking nerd, just like you. Like it doesn't, <laughs> Like, they're fucking nobody. You know, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does not matter. Like, outside of that room, no one even fucking knows who you are. Like, it doesn't mean anything. And, um, like, anyone that you adore, unless, you know, there's someone like Britney Spears or something, somebody that's, like, mega, mega famous or something, right? But even, like, most comedians, unless they're, like, a Louis C.K. or, like, a Kevin Hart or something, you know, like they can still like walk down the street and like, most people will not know that they've like been on TV, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's the same. And like, I, that finally sit in, I'm like, Oh, like this person was in the same position as me before. And that just changed my outlook on everything. And then just helped me. Um, yeah. And then eventually like I had success in like the world of Warcraft card game. Like I basically had like the same accolades that my friend had in versus systems to then, I was that guy like and it was it was just so weird you know like I would sit down to play against someone in a tournament and they'd be like oh god I'm so unlucky to get paired against Brian Dirk in round one and in my head I'm just giggling like I just can't I'm like oh my god like I know <laughs> like I just wanted to like you know empath- like openly empathize with them and be like oh I totally know what it's like to be you you know and I'm just I at times I still feel like you but of course in the moment it's like I gotta attack that weakness. <laughs> just, oh, yeah, sure. I just lean on them so I can I can win. But yeah, it's 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 <laughs> um it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> um. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know I, I, where to go. It, that's again. I'm just very very. Imp- I've never spoken to someone who's who's taken it so seriously. And and like. I didn't even know there was a wow card game. I know I, yeah. I, I used to play. Wow. Yeah. It was the, it was the predecessor to like Hearthstone. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, like, Which I have never played. Yeah. I, well, I, maybe yeah. I have, I don't think I have. I have not played it either. Like I, I am way too fucking busy with like, yeah. uh, jobs that actually pay me money. And then also like creative stuff. Yeah. Um, yes. so yeah, I just, that's in part why, like I, I, casually competitively play magic from time to time because it's you know like i'm invested in vintage magic for people that don't know that um so magic's like over 20 years old their events restrict people on what cards they can play with because of course if you're like hey you know kevin and brian talking about magic maybe i want to play magic it would be kind of shitty if you had to buy some super expensive card from like 20 years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like most of the events are like, you can only play with cards from the last two years and then they tier from there. Um, so yeah. So since I have always had my fingers to the pulse of the format where you can play with the history of the game. Um, that's where I have the most fun playing. Um, the cards are super expensive, but um you know, there's not a ton of events. Things don't change that often, you know, so I can kind of like if I went to a tournament this weekend, yes, I would be rusty, but I wouldn't be like 
a total noob. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. pretty much the strategies everyone's playing with are like the same. Cause thing, you know, it doesn't, doesn't change that often. Um, well, that's, that's exactly when, when, uh, I was building a deck, I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. I was always a red green guy. I'm yeah, going to go yeah. and build my red green, my, my typical red green tech that, that was, I always play. Original deck, man. I love red green. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, I, I built a red-green deck, and it was, I think I overloaded it with lands or something, because it was dog shit. I was like, oh my god, what? A, I don't remember playing this badly 10, 20 years ago, or whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, I, I finally found like an, a happy medium. I've actually gone all red. Like That's my go-to deck, is just a plain old red uh, quick attack deck. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I... Um, I, I, uh, the new and, uh, the new cards are interesting. Like they have like the most recent set, like in, incorporates, uh, like basically werewolves and like yep. the transformation yeah, and flipping the card. We're, in cool. we're back in Innistrad. <laughs> uh, so that was a thing before. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so since magic's over 20 years old, they're a little like dry on creativity. Yeah. So like the last, like, yeah uh there's there's been many reoccurrences where they're like oh yeah remember that like group of sets we did before like we're gonna go back to that universe and like yeah they're they're, like revisiting an old universe but i mean it's good and bad it like it gets people really excited because it's like let's say you played like six years ago and you're like oh man i really liked innistrad maybe i'll play again you know and then it from from the serious players it it uh or at least the serious like investors it creates this whole like buzz because it's like ooh, are they gonna like bring back this card that was like worth a ton of money because it's old yeah. you know so yeah i, I mean and, and then there's the, the third group that are either uh <laughs> new players or me who's yeah. coming back and like i've never i've never seen that so like it's new to me yeah like, so, this whole yeah no i it's it, it's fun to like you know i'm i guess because i i'm not super uh up and up on chaz instrad but i i am 110 percent certain that they have flip cards which i'm sure you haven't seen before until now yeah no it was the first time that i that i i saw it and it was uh i, I don't know it's just a cool little thing i was like oh this is neat like they yeah. did the 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 colorless mana uh where, where you like wasteland you have to use this wasteland as a land and it's an actual colorless mana yep. that you can spend not and like I was talking to a friend who we used to play back in the day, and he's like, "Oh, you mean the little circle with a number?" I'm like, "Nope, well, no, no, that's colorless, yeah, but this is a different. Like this is, you can't use any land for this colorless. You have to use the colorless land." And yeah. he's like, "What?" I'm like, I, "Dude, I don't. This is the rules. It's the thing. It's the system. It's new. Well, at least new to me." Oh, no, no, as no, I find out, that's like a one-time only thing with like the return to. That was like I think only in Oath of the Gatewatch, like whatever the sequel was, yeah. like the Zendikar revisit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, um, yeah. yeah, and it's it. I don't know. I mean, for from a flavor perspective, like from the lore of Magic's, of course, there's like novels and shit. You know, just like anything. I used to be big into them. I used to read like that was <laughs> I exclusively read Magic novels when I was a kid. Yeah, see, like that. <laughs> that's that's where i'm like a terrible nerd so it's like i i have played all these things and i can tell you you know i could tell you like all the stuff about magic but it's like i hate the lore like i don't i don't give i'm like i don't give a shit when the eldrazi beat so-and-so 
what like i just need a three drop that can do this for my deck you know like i'm just so like cutthroat about it like like, distance myself from the flavor (laughs) well it's funny because like i uh, now i don't remember any of those novels like i read a lot of them i don't remember any of that story but like reading like whenever um i guess i was it was oath of the gate watch like i was just reading up about it and like reading like the little bit of the story i'm like oh that's cute they do like a story behind the cards yeah and i don't know why like that was like again we're, we're here talking about it and i'm thinking back to back of the day like i don't know why that's a surprise to me there's always been a story um and, and that that's a big thing like i'm really into the idea of no matter what the medium is podcasting tv film novels whatever it is that you're doing at the end of the day it's all storytelling and i can forgive a lot of bad things like for instance um i I like to use the walking dead as an example okay it's not always the strongest writing like in in both the comic and the um the tv show but to me, at the end of the day, typically from episode to episode or from, you know, from from season to season, like the story is typically spot on. Like, I really enjoy it and I can forgive the bad writing that happens here and there and the bad acting that he- happens here and there uh, because the story is just that good. Yeah. And uh, and same, so with magic, like I like that's now I, I don't think I was that way 10, 15 years ago. I wasn't really into story. I was just into, I guess, like popcorn. Um, but now I appreciate story. So like I saw that in magic. I'm like, oh, that, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I, I can't tell you any of the story. I don't I, I play to play basically. Yeah, not. Not play like you, but I play to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally understand. But yeah, there's people that like play because they love the novels, you know. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and like, but that's where I'm a terrible nerd. Like, I hate Lord of the Rings. I hate Game of Thrones. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm the worst no, I- nerd ever. <laughs> but I, no, you're- I could fucking if you were a casual Magic player, I could guarantee I could make your deck like infinitely better when you crush all your friends when you're at dining table. <laughs> I am like guarantee I get I bet that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm the same way when it comes to Lord of the Rings like that. Like I've watched the movies twice. Oh God, once in the theater. I couldn't get through the first time. <laughs> oh yeah. So I I no, and I'll say this. I appreciate them. They they are movies that I, I would not call bad, but I watched them once and then I watched the extended version on DVD oh and I will never watch them again because I, as much as I'm into D and D. Okay. Like I've really, like I kind of jumped into that world recently. Um, and, and I, my buddy, um, he writes, uh, books in this world he created called Tellist, which is, you know, all kind of stems from like Baldur's gate and, and that sword and fantasy type of world. I don't like it. Like I, I don't like Lord of the Rings. Like I, I appreciate it. Sure. I, I'll yeah. never watch it. I didn't watch the Hobbit. I'll never watch the Hobbit. Um, I yeah. mean, the closest I was really into it was probably um, Hercules in Greek mythology. Uh, but Game of Thrones, haven't watched an episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the Hobbit. It's like my mom. That was like one of her favorite books ever. Um, but she like couldn't stand Lord of the Rings, and I think it's because like Lord of the Ring, like Lord of the Rings, is like a true fantasy slash like sci-fi book because it's not those genres are they lean so heavy on the setting and like the story like comes second it's all about like the world that they're in and Mm -hmm. like the hobbit is like more of like a straightforward story 
the novel I'm talking about, not, you know, the yeah. fucking 10-hour three-movie epic that's been made or will be made. I don't even know if they're all out yet, but... I, yeah, I think I, they are, but I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. Um, but yeah, that's what drives me crazy about, like... Uh, yeah, I just... Fantasy is like a hard sell for me because I... For a long time, I thought that I wanted to be a screenwriter. Maybe at some point I will sell scripts or something or whatever. But when I was independently studying how to, like be a good screenwriter it was all the resources i was reading you know i read barbara mckee's story and um uh, sid field's uh screenplay and like all these other books and stuff and they really hammered home like how you have to be like especially if you're trying to sell your script and go through like the studio system you had to be like really economical you know like you like if your script lands on some assistant's desk that's reading it for some guy that could get you somewhere you know you're <laughs> Your script is is the difference is like keeping that person from going to lunch or going home for the day, you know. So it's like yeah, yeah, it yeah. better be tight, you know. Like it better be like on point. So it got me to be really sensitive to stories that drag. And mm. so basically, anytime that I watch a movie that's like over two hours, if I I am like it really better justify why it's over two hours. And like okay. yeah, like the Lord of the Rings just to me move so slow and are just so like long like actual minute wise that it just it just dra like that to me is like a huge um huge thing that like irks me also like fancy is just like a hard sell like it's probably like my least favorite genre i'm much, like if i had to pick between sci-fi and, and fancy i would like slam dunk sci-fi in like a heartbeat uh i i agree yeah, yeah it's because it's like both of them put setting first over like and not that doesn't mean that like the, you can't have a fantasy or a sci-fi story that has a great story but the reason that you're in one of those genres is because you've created you've created some like not normal world you know and like that's kind of going to be like at the forefront that's like why we're in the future or we're in some alternate timeline or we're in some fantasy universe you know like that's that's how we arrived there so in general, that's going to get like way more attention than, you know, some normal drama like set and yeah. like a, a, in today's world. Um, so, yeah. So then and but generally when you're writing a sci fi story, you're creating like this dystopian future or alternate timeline that is saying something that's like socially conscious about the world you're living in today. And like that, I love, like, I love like socially conscious, like content, um, like the wire is my favorite television show ever. Um, so it's like, you know, certain sci-fi pieces that have like really interesting commentary, like, you know, Oh, what if, you know, this happened, like how would the world react and what would the world be like? Or, you know, this thing that I see going on today, like let's push it to an ex extreme. And what does that look like? That's really, if it's a great question that that does fascinate me, but like, I don't, I don't fucking care that you invented a language for elves. You know, <laughs> like I just don't care. Like I do not care. I couldn't care less. It like that scores no points for me. So that that's why I like stuff like Lord of the Rings is such a, such a hard sell. Like for for um, and a, a friend originally said this to me, and I totally live by it. Uh, for t when it comes to TV. And please interrupt me if you want to get in. I feel like I'm talking for too long. No, no, you're fine, man. Um, I have 
and I think he's totally right. I have a two-hour rule when it comes to TV. If after two hours of content, I am not hooked on the show, fuck that show. <laughs> and I, and that, that I'm, that's just my that's just my. I feel like if you can't get your shit together and really get into like the catalyst of the season and like hook me on the characters and stuff in the amount of minutes that would be a feature film, then like mm-hmm. you're just, in my opinion, you're just not doing your job right. Uh, I'm a three, ep- my role is three episodes. So, you know, anywhere from an hour and a half to three hours. Okay. Uh, I, I have the same kind of premise where you need to, um, I'll give you three episodes. Uh, but the problem is like, for instance, Game of Thrones. Um, I, I don't know if it's, the content or if it was i always happen to sit down when i'm kind of like oh it's i'm done recording this interview it's 12 30 at night i'm gonna sit down and watch a show um and i fall asleep during it two or three times now. oh yeah no i've 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 the first time i tried to watch game of thrones was the day that it aired i fell asleep and it's that's like a nine o'clock on a sunday and i was a lot younger than that was a huge red flag the show was not entertaining <laughs> enough you know like um and people are like, oh, you have to watch it to the end. And it's like, yeah, OK, we watch a brother and sister bang each other and push some kid out the window. Spoil- sorry, spoiler. <laughs> the first fucking episode from like five years ago. But anyway, um, it's like, OK, yeah, I guess that's exciting. Could we get to that like 50 minutes earlier? Because nothing happened okay. before that, you know? <laughs> Well, and like I, I show that um, so Game of Thrones is probably the show for me that has has I, I mean, I also haven't given it that three episodes, but it has it, I can't get through the first episode to give yeah. it that chance. Um, Gotham, uh, I'm, I'm a big superhero guy. Okay. Uh, so um, I usually like almost all this, anything superhero related. I'll, I'll I tend to watch. Sure. And Gotham was one of those shows that like after the first episode, I'm like. I don't know if you're going to pass my three episode rule. And like, and by the time we got to the third episode, like it did win me over. Like the, it had its, um, a lot of weak points, but Gotham is, I think one of the shows that like for the better won me over. Like it's gotten progressively better. Interesting. Um, and um and so that's like i have i don't know if i've ever really seen a show that like i, I totally just after th- I, there's got to be something out there but i guess it's just un it's uh un, I, I can't remember it it's just a forgettable show because oh. it didn't make my three my three episodes i have i have several shows that did not pass i mean game of thrones is like a famous one i actually mm-hmm. like my go-to example is like i cannot stand house of cards Oh really? Yeah, it drives me crazy. I actually gave that show three episodes. I I gave it an extra episode past my rule, and it still it failed with flying colors. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. So that's interesting. I I um I I actually think I've only watched the first two seasons. Uh, for me, the first season was great. Um, I I think the second season was uh much weaker and that's probably why i haven't watched the third and maybe fourth season yeah no for Uh, me so (laughs) for the listeners out there my name is brian durkin and i'm a savage hater (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh no but um yeah for me game of thrones like i'm not game of thrones um house of cards i just the style choice of 
the main character, I can't remember his name, Kevin, the one that Kevin Spacey plays. Uh, Frank Man. Underwood. Underwood, that's right. Um, thank you. Yeah, the, the style choice to have him talk to the camera drives me up a fucking wall. Uh-huh. And I just can't get it. Wow. I know that. See, that's what, that's what drew me to yep, it. I know that's everyone's favorite part of the show. And I get why they do it. I just, it, the choice just irks me. And I, I, the first episode really bothered me. I watched the second episode with my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, all right, this episode was pretty good. You know, let's, I'll give it a third. And the third episode, he did another talk to camera that I thought was just like, that just drove me up a wall. And I was like, I'm done. I just can't, I just can't watch anymore. That's interesting. Yeah. It, yeah. So that, yeah, that's, that's. So, yeah, I understand that I'm, like, in the minority. Like, if, it, you know, that is, like, my prime like, – because everything else about that show – because people are, like, that know me better are, like, wow, like, I can't believe you don't like that show, Brian. Because I do love um, – I, I enjoy shows that are kind of about that, like, political yeah. game of, like, you know, the like, – <laughs> for lack of a better – phrasing that game of thrones you know, like, <laughs> um where people are like bidding for power and like screwing each other over and just like rising yeah. through the ranks you know that like there's a huge element of that in the wire and i've seen every episode of oz and i love oz and there's a bunch of that that goes on in that but um yeah like i just if if he didn't I, I, if he didn't talk to the camera i would be like a probably a diehard fan but it just it that's just my pet peeve i understand it's my oh, issue yeah. that i have to work on and maybe talk to a therapist about but yeah it's like a, a political deadpool like I, that's what that drew me to it like i was just really into ever i don't know what it is it, it's i don't know if it was dead the deadpool comics or i mean it probably honestly is saved uh saved by the bell like the, the the breaking of the fourth wall has just always intrigued me the, and it's it's funny that you say that because there's a lot of things that i love that break the fourth wall. Like I'm super into lady dynamite right now. Uh, Maria Bamford's new show. I've only seen the first couple episodes, but like that show is like super breaks the fourth wall and is like really quirky and weird and wild. And I love things that are like, you know, like very like anti plot like that. And, um, you know, I love Ferris Bueller's day off and he talks to the camera and stuff, you know, that That just was back on the big screen. Um, really? Yeah, at least around here in 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 the suburbs, uh, and I got to go see it. Uh, I you know obviously that was a film that I think I was literally months old when it came out, mm-hmm. uh, so I never got to see it on the big screen. So to see it on the big screen, um, especially after kind of being like, not that I ever forgot about it, but like it's a movie that I have and I haven't watched in years. But like Deadpool reminded me of it in, in spoilers, his, his after credit scene. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, I, I, and I was like, Oh man, I want to sit down and watch that movie. And I, again, after Deadpool, I still didn't go sit down and watch it. And then I saw it on the big screen and it was just a pure joy. Like I, it's a th- movie's 30 years old. That's classic. So it's such, I, so I forgot how much I liked that movie. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, But yeah, so it's like, yeah, I don't want people to think that like I hate all fourth wall stuff. But for me, and you know, I guess I'll go on the record on saying for me, House of Cards, Frank Underwood talking to the camera to me is like a cop out. Like to me, like that, I, I just feel like there had to have like to me, it's more interesting if we 
if they don't use that cheap trick to like go into his thoughts, like I would rather mm-hmm. just like watch them develop like from afar, like as a normal audience member, like for film, I guess. So that's well, well, and you know what? For a drama like that, I, I totally see that point of view. Like breaking the fourth wall um, always kind of makes more sense, like in a comedy. I yeah, guess. that's a good point because the stuff that we're citing is way is not as serious as House of Cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I could like there's a world where House of Cards was developed and and, and produced where it doesn't break the fourth wall, and it and it's probably for me probably just as good. Uh, for you, obviously, a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and, and your drama, it's, it's a drama, so I can see why it doesn't work for everyone. Yeah, no, and it's funny because like it's just I just can't get over that hump because the drama of it. I love hard dramas like movies and TV. Like I. It's funny, like, you know, I, a lot nowadays I've been watching more like silly or comedy shows because I just want something light and fun to watch. And then also, cause I'm like, I'm now watching comedy with like a more critical eye cause it's something that I'm mm-hmm. doing now. Um, but yeah, like before that, oh, sign me up for like the most gut wrenching, brutal drama ever, ever. Like I was all about that. It was, <laughs> it was <sad>. <laughs> I, that's that's something I've gotten more into now as I get older, and and I think like I, I chasing Amy as long as mm-hmm. I can rem- remember going back to that yeah. has always been my go to like you know what I kind of need to cry like I just there's something like whatever is wrong with me like a good cry yeah. will make me feel better and 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 I, I you know chasing Amy is a movie that that does bring me to tears like it's it is that I don't know I guess it's just that good yeah and um uh and i relate to some of the stuff that's that, that happens in that movie and um so as i get now that i'm older like i i also think being a dad it does this too but like i literally like I, I will cry like i went to go see the uh the muppet movie with jason seagull okay uh seagull no that's not how you seagull mm. uh, jason seagull yeah yes dude from how i how i met your mother yep, yep, yep. uh and um, I think my fiance was pregnant with our first kid at the time. And literally the end of that movie, Kermit has this rousing speech that I literally tear up for. And of course, judge away. Everyone does. I get it. I cried in a Muppet movie. But like things like that, like I literally I again, going back to the me being the, the thinner, less famous Kevin Smith, I cry at the drop of anything um like uh and and i guess you're not if you're not huge into kevin smith anymore he's a big crier now like he he records himself he he uh he he watched the season finale uh the first season finale of the flash and he cried during it and i totally understand why like it was an emotional episode but like i'm literally that guy now where i'll cry at everything and so like i really appreciate dramas now that are you know serious and more in in tone of being not really a crying but um I guess more like a, a thinker sure, drama. Sure, yeah. uh, and, and of course, and, and the more emotional ones, like that's like, I'm more into things like that uh, than comedies. Now, like I all watch a comedy and every day if I, if, if I had to, um, but they're more, they're more of my popcorn movies now, like them and some of the, the blockbuster movies, like Marvel movies and stuff. Yeah. They're usually more popcorn movies for me now. Whereas the dramas are more of the thinking emotional movies. Uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I love like, that's what I gravitate towards. Like I tend to watch like a lot of independent films cause I just want to 
Uh, to me, like the best movie that you can watch is after you watch it. The worst mistake you made was watching it by yourself because now you need someone to talk to about it. it was yeah, just like yeah, yeah. something about the story was just like so moving or incredible or interesting how they did something or weird or ambiguous. We were just like, oh man, like what do you like? What do you think that meant? Or oh, I can't believe that happened. You know. Um, so yeah, those kind of moments to me like make the best film for sure but yeah i totally agree that um i think objectively chasing amy is without a doubt kevin smith's best movie i might just because of like my feelings on like religion and catholicism and it was sort of the first kevin smith movie that i saw like dogma has is really high up on my list but yeah yeah if i had to pick one i would say uh chasing amy because to me that it is like this like beautiful like dramedy too because like the first half of that yeah. movie is just like a, a, a typical comedy but then it, it gets real serious and like you're not upset with that turn and it's so no. interesting to me that it takes that turn and you're like you know you're still along for the ride um and i yeah i love any um i love any serious subject that can still crack jokes that just feels so real totally totally i um yeah. Oh God. I don't, we're at an hour and 40 minutes. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about you a little bit oh, now. Shit. I feel bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, there's something that you said a few times during uh, our conversation here. Uh, and that's what this long form, I don't know if we said this, what will technically be off air or not, but like, so long form, I, I mentioned to you at one point that I'm bad at, at uh, interviews. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and that's the whole purpose of, of the, everything is awesome uh, to me. Like I said in, in the intro is I sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And um, where I'm a bad uh, interviewer, I, I, I like to think of myself as a good conversationalist. Uh, and that's what I, so th- what we've been doing is what the per like, this might be the truest reason this episode uh, or these two episodes, maybe the truest reason I even started this show. Cause I always sure. thought I was like, I basically want a new co-host every week. Like, I think that's a good way. I can't get anyone to commit to co-host with me. So why not have a new co-host every week? And that's what this, these two episodes uh, feel like is that is just a, a shooting the shit. And that's, that's, um, I always appreciate like the Smodcast of the world or um, uh, the, the I'm trying to think of another podcast that I listen to that it's just two like two best friends. Uh, that's what all my podcasts in the back back in the day where it was just like two like, two or three friends sitting around talking just yeah. form formatted more into a radio show than than I I now at 32 would want. But anyway, <laughs> um, you you mentioned a few times uh, you know now that you're getting into comedy, so it sounds like comedy hasn't been something you've been doing very long. No, yeah, I'm um, so my my true origin story. I have I've heard this lore that like I guess my um path into comedy is like similar to Louis C.K. in a way. So apparently, like before Louis C.K. was was a name that everyone knows, he like tried comedy and did terrible and didn't do it again for like several years or something until he like you know gave it his all. Whatever. I have a very similar path. So like about five years ago um one of my best friends was getting really really into comedy wanted to do stand-up but he's just one of those people that um doesn't enjoy doing things alone at least not like for the first time he'll be i'm that guy yeah yeah he's (laughs) just one of those guys where it's like if he's never been to like some show before 
you know, I'll be there with him or like he'll go with his wife or something. You know, he's always got, gotcha. he's always got like a partner in crime with him. Um, yeah. But yeah. And you know, he just, we, it was the first time we met in college and it was like the, it was something that we talked about, you know, outside of class and we really hit it off. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people where I'm like, everything is, is quote unquote tentatively on my bucket list. Like I will try mm-hmm. pretty much anything um, just to like have the experience just to be like, Oh, I experienced that. Cause just from like a creative perspective and then especially like from a writing perspective, gaining for me, like gaining any experience is like super valuable because then it just like helps me write better in some other character's voice or perspective. So, um, so I was like, yeah, sure. Like I, I would love to see what your stand up comedy is like. And yeah, I would absolutely try stand up. I'm like, I've had a ton of crazy shit happen to me in my life. Like I could just talk about, Granted, you know, I didn't understand that stand up is not storytelling. So, of course, <laughs> you know, I didn't do so. Like the first time I went up, I did really good. But I think most of the audience knew it was my first time. So they just like uh, yeah. cheered me on. But, yeah, I only went like once a week with him to this. It was this room called like Laughs on Philly. Uh, That's what it was called. on the, uh, No, it was called Laughs on Fairmount. Now it's called Laughs on Philly. It used to be this place, Urban Saloon. Um, in Fairmount, um, but it's no longer there. And there's like a whole new crew of people that like run this, like comedy shows under that banner. But, mm. um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was only, I only went like once a week and I went with him like not even maybe once a week, like maybe every other week. And then I wasn't really like writing new jokes. I kind of just, it was just an excuse to like hang out with him, you know, and like have yeah, yeah, to yeah. do so. Like I really didn't take it seriously. And then I obviously did terrible. Cause I was mm-hmm. super new and wasn't taking it seriously. So I was like, this sucks. And then I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. So then, you know, many years went by and I, I finished, uh, I finished my master's in writing and then, you know, got a job related to writing that was like good for a while. But then I just got really like disenchanted with my life. And I'm just like, what am I, I just felt like I was at this dead end job, like doing something that, I'm like, why am I even working at this company? I don't like being here. I don't really like what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm growing professionally. I'm like, I haven't done anything creative in a while. Um, and I've been living in the city. And like when I used to do comedy with my buddy, uh, we lived in the suburbs. So it was like a little bit more of a pain in the butt to like go into the city for an open mic. But now I was yeah. just like, hey, you know, like I, I can take a bus and I'll be at an open mic in like 20 minutes. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, let me give me, let me give this like an honest try. And then I also, around the same time that I was starting stand up, I knew that I wanted to do, um, what is my podcast now? I knew I wanted to have like a comedy food brand, like a website and then like a compendium, like podcast and stuff. And, uh, part of my motivation to start stand up was just like, well, you know, my angle with food is that I wanted to be comedic and, if I'm going to be comedic, like I should learn to be funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and I got to say, cause I, I'm, I can't wait to sit down and finally dive into the podcast, which we'll, I'm, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to in a couple of moments here because like it is uh, my favorite thing. Well, not my favorite thing in the world, but one of my favorite things in the world is definitely food. Like I love to eat yeah. and I was like, and, and I like, and I like comedy and I'm like this, when, when we first started talking, I'm like, this isn't, this seems like one of those podcasts that are going to be a hidden gem that I just found. Cool. Cool. I'm glad that you think that way. I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping everyone in the world thinks that No, but, uh, yeah. um, yeah, I was, I was, I vividly remember I was out 
to brunch with one of my best friends, uh, Brittany, and she, we're, I'm talking and I, I was in this mode. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something creative again. And I just didn't want, I didn't, I was done with like card games. I was like really done with that life. And, um, cause I used to have a successful blog, uh, called next level board games. Um, or no, it was just, or next level. It was next level card games. Jeez, I can't even remember the name of my own <laughs> website. Um, but yeah, it was something I started in college, and I wrote like a ton of strategy content for like really like nerdy board games. So, yeah. um, for your basic board gamer, they go to Toys R Us to get Monopoly. For your like next tier up, they go to like Toys R Us or a specialty store or maybe Amazon to get like Settlers of Catan. I was talking about games that are like more advanced than settlers and writing like serious strategy content about them. Um, and at the time I was really, really in the board games. So it wasn't um, that much of a chore, but I hadn't been playing anything in a while. And the problem was it took a ton of work to like pump out that material because I would have to get the game, play it a bunch, have something insightful to say, you know, like write it all up. And then, there really wasn't like a good way to at the least at the time to like monetize my efforts. So not like there's so many, there's so many outlets for you to um, get paid for your talent or your expertise or for your content. Even if you're like giving a bunch of it away for free, um, then what existed like five, six, seven years ago. So, um, so yeah, so I just gave it up. So I'm out the brunch with her and I'm just like, like I can't be like a strategy card game or board game writer again, you know, like that was just too, like too much work. I'm not really in that scene. I'm like, I love food. Like I've always cooked for myself. I used to work as like a short order cook and like a pizza shop for like four years. So I've always been really comfortable in the kitchen. Good eats is like one of my favorite shows ever. Um, so yeah, so I'm just sitting, we're sitting there and we're eating and I'm like, I shouldn't, I'm like, man, food writers, they have it so fucking easy. All they do is write about the food they eat and they get to eat for free. Why am I not doing that? You know, it's so like literally spot on on what it's like to be a food writer. So easy. Honestly. That's exactly what it's like for everyone involved with food content. Um, like I think you're on to something. Yeah. Prepare for a reboot of this show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that idea has like some truth, but the naive the naivety of it is like <laughs> could fill the grand fucking canyon <laughs> um but that was the motivation so i was just like but i also was i also was wise enough um with my own skill set and my own personality being like well i'm gonna i'm not gonna be like the next craig Lebon or you know some serious food writer like who the fuck am i you know like why would they listen to my opinion and be that uh, like a serious opinion about food and i've always loved comedy i've always been like kind of like a funny silly person so i'm like well wh- why don't i make like the anti food blog like why don't i make like you know um instead of like getting into like how well this was prepared you know, you know like my review is like yo those nachos were dope <laughs> you know <laughs> like four out of five sombreros you know just like be totally <laughs> ridiculous about it um and then you know that was like the initial um idea there's the only, there's only like a handful of articles on the website uh the written content i haven't really stayed on top of just because the podcast um 
takes all my time uh, besides like social media engagement. So um, that's been my, that's the, the idea is like evolved from there, but that's, that's where it came from. That's, that's the origin story of full belly laughs. And, and so for not only me, but for, for people that are, um, uh, you know, my listeners that may be new to your show, uh, give a breakdown of, uh, the podcast. Sure. Yeah. So the podcast is called full belly laughs. Um, anything full by laughs is me in the show. So full by laughs.com full by laughs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, you know, you name it. I think except for Tumblr, some jag off snag <laughs> the name before I could. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's that, that's the, that's the banner and that's the name. Um, basically the concept of the show is it's like if Quizzo could crash a dinner party full of comedians. So, Okay. You know, like our tagline is when food meets funny. So basically there's a few iterations of the show because it's still like kind of evolving its identity, but it also just does different things. So basically when you tune in, there's three and a half uh, versions. So one is we perform the show live on stage sometimes like uh, so far at Philly Improv Theater. So, like, obviously that's going to sound and flow differently than when we record on location at a restaurant, you know? So it's like the live stage production is like a little bit more segmented. There's obviously a live audience track. We're really only eating snacks versus like we're in a restaurant and there's like a chef that's like, you know, talking on tape and preparing us like real food and stuff. So, um, and then like the main version of the show that you usually would hear because they're like special engagements um, this is recorded in, uh, you know, Brian Durkin's apartment studios, <laughs> um, <laughs> like any, like any professional podcast, um, which is so true. Isn't it, isn't it neat how, what podcasters do, like yeah. how they, like na- we name our studios, yeah. like literally every place I've ever been has usually been a living room or kitchen yeah. and it's always had a fancy studio name. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, that, that's one of the things I love about, um, uh, Allison Rosen on her show. She just always calls her stu- studio dining room studios. <laughs> that's literally where she records. It's awesome. Um, it's a great name. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I could have used it. But um, but yeah. Um, so like ninety percent of the time or eighty percent of the time when you would listen to the show, it's going to be recorded in my place, and the round table is going to be either three comedians or two comedians, and then some kind of food professional that's like brought a recipe for me to make or brought food for us to taste and we kind of interview that person. So that's like the first half of the show is we're always eating something, commenting about it a little bit, and then just like letting the conversation grow organically like you would at any dinner table. So very similar to our conversation here. Like I was in. Yeah. So, I was so far I'm signing up. Yeah. I was introduced as a person, that podcast. And then we started talking about chemistry and magic and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So that's exactly how like my show flows. It's just, you know, a round table of four people. And then, um, the second like half ish, like the other big segment of the show is we like wrap up a show playing trivia games. So, um, okay. some of the games are like a total gag. Um, others are, are like serious trivia. Um, there are two big, like serious trivia games as we do, um, this music game called like initial listen, where the clues, the answers are always, billboard top 100 songs from a certain year uh and then 
the clues are like an acronym of the song and artist and you try to guess what it is so the answer was like taylor swift shake it off by taylor swift like i would say sio by ts and then you know uh, okay. of course if the comedian doesn't know what it is um uh you know they'll they'll fill in the blanks with something funny it'll be like you know you know uh you know, I can't think of anything funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late for that. It's too late to be yeah, funny. It's, well, nah, you know, instead of Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, they, they might say, like, you know, Suck It Out by, you know, Tom Sawyer or something. You know what I mean? Like, they'll just say something silly because they're funnier in the moment than I can be, at least at this hour. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, so that's, like, another uh, one game that we play. And then the other big game that we always close the show with is – um a game that I call Continue Shopping, and that's like our movie game. So we always close the show with like movie trivia. And basically how it works is I pick like a DVD that you can find on Amazon, and then people try to like guess uh, DVDs that were like purchased with that DVD. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, that's yeah. Neat. So, um, so yeah, I'm you know as as I've explained, I'm a big gamer. So the show the show is very much like my personality. Like I I love hanging out with friends and joking around and having a good time. I love eating great food and um, I love trivia and movies and, and stuff. So um, it's the show is a combination of all those things. Um, so you can play along at home while having a laugh, listening to it. And then after the show's over, you can go on the website and make the recipes that I make on the show. And they're all, they're all legit. They're either in my normal rotation that I eat off air or um, developed specifically for the show. And, test them out to make sure that they're uh not total shit <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's a very cool concept of the show like i uh i i would never think to like i'm not i love food but i don't really like the only time i ever like get caught up in like food shows is if it happens to be on like someone else was watching it yeah that um <laughs> the, the biggest example would be like um that show with adam something and other where he went around doing all the challenges man versus food that's okay, what it yeah, is. yeah 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 that that was the I, that's been the only food show that i've ever been hooked on but uh i like your i like the 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 hook and like so so for me podcasting like i don't listen to music like at all uh for the last 10 years i've probably listened pretty exclusively to podcasts every now and then i'll pop a song on sure. from the late 80s early 90s uh if i'm feeling nostalgic but for the most part like my car ride is full of podcasts that i that i listen to yeah uh or, or i'm editing podcasts all the time or or whatever it is and like it's this so so kind of going back to like our, our our original introduction of the show and how how you and i met through the the philadelphia podcasting society yeah. i used to be like a huge like i i listen to every kevin smith podcast okay or like big name podcasts but now, honestly, like I've had to decide, like, okay, you know what? This, this, like, I used to listen to, um, what's the, uh, one of Kevin Smith's podcasts on a regular basis. And I just said, you know what? I'm listening to, um, you know, I listened to, uh, the two, the two big local ones that I've picked up, uh, over the last like six months is Party of One podcast. And, um, oh God, he's going to kill me for forgetting uh, 25 o'clock. Okay. Uh, from uh, uh, Danny Drago, uh, <clears throat> and 
they are like so those two plus any other like i guess they're not local obviously i guess indie we'll go with that word indie yeah. podcasts like i've picked up a bunch of those just from listening to other podcasts yeah so like i'm now less of a mainstream podcast listener and more of like a um like I, your show i can guarantee will be become part of my rotation because it's it's just it hits everything that just sounds great to me oh awesome and i, I like like it's it, and like I I don't listen to I would actually venture to say I don't listen to specifically any comedy podcast like uh, what's what's the big one comedy bang bang is like a huge one yeah like, I mean there's there's a few so it's, it's funny that you mention that because it's like obviously my uh like every like all the creative projects I'm doing are like comedy focused um so especially like full belly laughs you know there's laughs in the title so yes. um yeah I tend to gravitate towards podcast that um before like a year or so ago when i was first listening to podcasts i'd listen to like this american life all the time or like other um ones that were more story-based or reporting or more serious but now i'm pretty much like always watching something that's like at least got some kind of comedic flair um and simply, yeah and simply in in the same nature that i you know i feel like that you may have gravitated towards independent shows is you know, I like listening to stuff that I find on the Philly Podcast Network just because it, it's like how when I was studying screenwriting that I just started watching movies in a different way. You know, like I'm listening to podcasts as I enjoy them, but I'm also a creator and a producer so and a host. So it's it's just um, I'm listening to them being like, oh, that was a great idea. Like I should, you know, I should try a version of that, you know, so. Yeah, no, it's it's. Like I said, I mean, 10 years ago, and I'm sure the community was just as strong as it was 10 years ago. Um, but I, I just, I think it was all too new to really know that. And, and I never truly ha- have been like a, a podcaster, honestly. Like I, I was, I've always considered myself a broadcaster up until doing the show because everything I was doing was typically for a live audience. So like the, the, the podcast audience kind of got the shitty end of the stick. Cause like, you kind of have to be there in the moment to, to appreciate a live broadcast sure. a lot of times. Um, which, which is, you know, there's like, I listen to a lot of, um, podcasts that do live shows and I truly appreciate those live shows, even listening in podcast form. Um, so that's not always the case, but like when you do it week to week as a, as a live broadcast, that's kind of what you're, um, you're, you're just gearing the show towards. So like I am, even though I've been in it for 10 years, I'm still kind of new to it, to straight up podcasting. And that's like the thing that I love is just the community. Now, the, I've joined other podcast groups that are a little bit more broader range than like a local thing yeah. that uh, they're not, they're not unfriendly, but they're definitely not as engaging yeah. as the Philadelphia podcast society is. Yeah. And I think, I think that's true for like anything Philly related. Cause I've, I've been, you know, as I've talked about uh, like a brief history of my hobbies and stuff on here, I've been in a lot of different communities and anything that's related to Philly. And, you know, I guess, I have to make a uh, disclaimer for my ignorance, like kind of living in this general area, like all my life. Um, but something about uh, the Philly area, just like the Philly attitude and then just like always kind of being in the shadow of New York and stuff. I just feel like mm-hmm. anyone that's in any community, especially if it's creative in any capacity, because even card games, you know, there's a creative element there. You have to design your, yeah. your, oh. your deck and oh, stuff. Yeah. Um, there's this, 
yeah, there is this like big sense of pride of like where you're from and like banding together and like trying to get the tide to like rise up to like put the like the city on the map, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, it's definitely something I've no- like going to like the podcast society meetup and. Um, oh, so you uh, you ended up going to that? Yeah, I am now a car a card carrying member. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I I was uh that it's tough to do those weekend things for me cuz that's like when I see the kids all, yeah. you know, all day. Yeah. So and and they're still young enough where I don't mind seeing them all day. Um so so I was going to go. I I missed out. What I'm waiting for, what I'm definitely going to partake in uh is the I think this will be the fourth, maybe fifth annual podcast fest. Cool. Um Good. that I'm I I'm I'm praying to God that I can book something. I I have ideas for this show that I want to, you know, I want to book um, a little bit more of nothing against you and previous guests, but like more of a high profile guy. But like he's a Philadelphia, you know, he's a Philadelphia guy. Like he's born. Well, I I shouldn't say born and raised. I'm almost positive born and raised Philadelphia, but he has he lives in Philadelphia now. I'll tell you all fair. Um, So I and I'm hoping to do that. I also want to do. our our D and D podcast, I would love to do live at, at one of the podcast fest dates. Um, but yeah, like I'm, uh, like this is for me. Like I think I finally have found my place in podcasting. Like it's taking a long time uh, and a lot of trial and error. And and I, I this format I think really works for me. And uh, and like now, like now that I'm doing it so often, I'm like, all right, now I want to like get so involved. Like whether it be just the original concept for this show was like have podcasters on and let's just sit around and talk about podcasting. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, I literally have a very limited uh, pool to pull from. Um, And and now that I'm more in that world of, of Philadelphia podcasting society and stuff, I don't think that's the case. I think I do have a bigger pool than I originally thought, but I do like talking to like, I wouldn't have the love for tabletop if I was restricted to, um, podcasters on this show. Yeah. So, uh, and, and so like just, and like the being a guest on party one podcast, it was the first time I was a guest on someone's podcast in years. And it was just cool to like, as you know, you're, as you're experiencing now, like it's totally f- uh, liberating. I think being a guest, cause like you come in here and you're going to, you're sitting here talking for a little over two hours now and then you're done. You're done with it. Like you don't ever have, you don't have to edit it or yeah. anything. Yeah. It's super easy to be a guest. <laughs> So like that's like kind of like my next phase as like as I go through uh now that I've I think I don't want to say perfected as episode 10 disproves but as I I'm more comfortable being a podcaster now it's like all right I want to go and promote this podcast and I want to go and be a guest. I don't know it's just the Philadelphia podca- podcasting society is is uh, a very cool thing to do that in and in right, whether yeah. it's just social media or even like it has opened up opportunities to be a guest on other on other shows yeah no absolutely i've uh i've been you know that's how this came about i've been a guest on like another local podcast you know i i've had podcasters on my show so yeah it's it's been great um it's been good to connect us all for sure um that being said uh i can hear in both our voices (laughs) that it's 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 got to be midnight for for those listening. It's it's like twelve thirty, yeah. <laughs> uh, in 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 late May. So you know where I think uh, just so uh, this is where I'll let you plug whatever you need to plug. If you have anything that's associated with a date, I'd say keep it to like mid to late June. Okay. Uh, so go. Plug. Yeah. So 
just to hammer it home, uh, my podcast, Full Belly Laughs, when food meets funny. It's a uh, food cent- It's a comedy show that's food centric. So uh, I take comedians out to eat, or I invite them over for a meal. Uh, we chat about the food. You get the recipe. We play trivia games uh, to wrap up the show. Uh, it's like Quizzo Crash a Dinner Party with funny people. Um, so you can get that on anywhere that you can find podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, the whole shebang. You can go to the website fullbellylast.com. Uh, that's fullbellylast.com. Uh, we uh, we're on. I love it. <laughs> we're on um, social media big time. Uh, Twitter. We have a huge presence. So like we tweet like approximately every two hours a day. So, um, yeah, if you like simple, fun jokes and commentary on trending topics, definitely check us out there. Uh, Facebook will be very ramped up by the time you hear this. So there'll be like memes and beams and, uh, good shared content on there for sure. So if you like, you know, if you've ever, um, stumbled upon a Buzzfeed food video or a tasty food video on your, there'll be stuff uh, like the our facebook page will either be sharing that or making fun of that and, uh, i love it yeah there'll be similar content to that and then if you like food porn and really dumb food related memes definitely follow us on instagram we have like a few uh tropes that we're playing with um like it'll be a picture of food and it'll you know it'll say uh, you won't believe what happened next you know so it's like just silly like uh <laughs> comment meta commentary on on memes in general so yeah you uh you definitely play the social media game right <laughs> where, where where you use each one differently so everyone has to follow you on everything well, no, that, I, yeah that's that's like social media one-on-one you don't you don't want to double post because it's like there's comedians that i'm facebook friends with that i don't follow on twitter because i see on facebook their updates are being posted from twitter so yeah not that I don't think they're funny, but if I subscribe to you on Twitter, I'm getting the same shit I already saw that I already liked, you know? So yeah. Um, any, anyone else out there that's got their own business or project or podcast, or whatever, you absolutely have to be doing like different content for each platform and no. Yeah. No, I mean, that's what we do a hundred percent. It's never the same. Yeah. Yeah. You have, <laughs> you have to, you have to break it up. So, you know, it's, it's so, so my, and just before we, we end the show, like my, I, I, know, I, I think it's because I'm, uh, I just, I'm not, a, I, I guess I'm, I don't want to say it's my age, but it's, I'll say it's my age, even though I'm only like a year and a half, two years older than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I just don't, um, maybe I don't have the time here. The, what I've done recently is like, so a lot of my show Twitters and, and whatnot, like they all post the, the, the whatever WordPress posts out there. Yeah. And then like, I'll go and I use my personal Twitter as like the more personable Twitter. And that's like, honestly, uh, again, being the less famous, uh, thinner Kevin Smith, that's kind of what he does. Like he has a smodcast Twitter. He does all of his, most of the promoting is done on at that Kevin Smith. And that's kind of, not that that's the right way to do it. It's yeah. just the way I do it. Yeah. It's, I, I, I don't agree. I agree with that method, but I understand why people do that. I mean, the, like why he's doing that is like the brand. Kevin Smith is more famous. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, it all depends on what you're trying to build. Like I'm trying to, my, my like 10 year plan with full belly last is to be like the next nerdist. So like, I wanted to have, uh-huh. I wanted to like have an identity that's 
that's obviously like on brand with my style because it's you know it is me but um you know at some point like i'm gonna have you know uh, i'm not gonna be in the day-to-day situation with it like you know just like chris harwick is not in the day-to-day yeah. everything that happens with nerdist so um yeah i I think my issue with social media is that it is, and this is where um, we said earlier, podcasting is easy. This is where it's not. It's it's the social media aspect yeah. of it, and it's 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 anything that after you after you stop recording, everything after that is not necessarily easy. If you are trying to do something more than just sit around and talk, yeah. um, so and, and that's I, I fully adhere to the I'm I'm bad at social media, and I try to do better, and I'm definitely doing better on my personal social media my personal twitter yeah, yeah. Uh, just i mean just so, so like social media management is like something that i have like a lot of experience in and um basically the advice that i could give the listeners is um yeah one as we talked about before have different content for each platform two you can't ignore it it is super important that's how you're going to get fans identify your fans you know like um build relationships with your maverns like to borrow a term from gladwell's tipping point um but most importantly like you really can't do anything wrong on social media and what i mean when i say that is i know so many comedians that won't tweet or don't tweet as often as they ought to because they're afraid to like make a bad joke and Mm. Yes, you could make a Facebook update. You could post an Instagram picture. You could make a terrible Twitter joke. You could lose followers, you know, because they see you on their feed and they're like, oh, this is stupid. Why am I following football? It laughs like unlike, right? But, I mean, the odds of that happening are are not, you know, over 50%. You know, like they're low. And yeah, yeah. And if they're happening, you're not really going to know it. Like you're not going to put it unless you're going to be on the cover. Unless your tweet is so colossally bad that you would end up on the cover of like Huffington Post tomorrow. You know, (laughs) if you have a thousand followers, you lose 10. Like, okay, like whatever. That's one percent, you know. But every tweet that you write, you're just going to get better at tweeting. So just just fucking make shit. And you'll you will figure out what works and like what doesn't work and figure out your voice and like you can't get any better at that unless you just do it. So that's I can I can speak from experience that on on my Twitter at HHWST, I literally post uh, nothing funny. <laughs> I try to post something funny, but there's been nothing funny posted on that Twitter in the last. We'll say, we'll say since I started this sh- posting this show online. So since March, yeah. uh, I've been heavily more tweeting and stuff. Uh, and we've I've n- done nothing but gain followers. So yeah. Yeah. you don't even have to be funny. No, you don't. You don't. And I mean, for what I'm doing, obviously, like that's the goal and that's the brand. That's why I would want people to follow me. But yeah, like you know, if you're your content has your content has to make sense for like whatever you the kind of audiences that you're trying to build, you know, like and that that's what's that's what's been difficult to navigate with most. It's you know, it's a comedy show, but it's about food. So there are two things that people can relate to and do together all the time. Everyone has gone out to the bar to dinner or had it you know, uh, a board game night at their place and had a bunch of laughs, you know, while eating and or like drinking. But, you know, as a food brand, like, 
90 some, you know like 90 like just argumentatively like 99 percent of food content out there is very stuffy you know so it's like the kind of yeah the kind of person that listens to like martha stewart's podcast does not is not gonna like full belly laughs <laughs> you know um so yeah i don't even know if she had one to be i honest. believe that she now has one because podcasts are like a thing now but yeah if, you know yeah. it's um so that's been like the, the kind of uphill battle for full belly laughs is just like identifying um those niche people um mm -hmm. so yeah but it's just uh you know it is what it is and you know hopefully someday uh you know it'll it'll be what i expect it to be <laughs> but yeah that's that's i think that's what we're all reaching for i i uh it's funny it's because i used to be a numbers guy i used to be a big numbers guy and now not so much now it's you know i i what I chase after, and it's just an, it's just replacing numbers. This one stress for another yeah. is like the iTunes review. Like that's what like that's what gets me going. If I see if someone says, "Oh, I want to leave you a good review," or I'm you know I, you know I, I am going to listen to you, and and because I sneak that into the podcast now, or at least usually in like what so like this episode is going to be cut into two episodes. As my audience knows, at some point I'm going to cut cut this show, and you're going to hear me talk about iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I and there's this other podcast that I produce that sometimes as the producer I I do a pre intro and I always sneak in something about not only their podcast but my podcast yeah. to go listen and rate and review. Yeah. So you sneak it in when yeah, you can, no, and that's my new stress is iTunes review. Yeah, and no, I mean you can't help it. Like that's that's the toughest part, honestly, about being a creative in 2016, even if you're not a podcaster, because all the lines and are blurred and all the hats are blurred. Like I, I could talk another like hour or two about this, but like the short of it is it's like any, anyone that is a creative is also an executive because they're all like one person. They're all like kind of freelancing. So it is tough to like at times to turn off, the the manager side and be like ooh I only have this many downloads or like why did I only get this many likes or why did I only get this many retweets or whatever you know it's just like um, I think that's something that every person that's a creative battles with with whatever you know big big graphic designer writer comedian podcaster doesn't matter um, there's gonna be that version of that for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've tried to turn it off as much as possible, but like you said, it's it's yeah. hard. It's hard, if not impossible, to do for um, creatives, as you said. Uh, all right, uh, Brian, thank you for being yeah, on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, I do want to plug one last thing. Um, go, go for it. So yeah, full body last, blah blah blah. You heard enough. Um, but I will be performing at Helium on Wednesday, June twenty uh, ninth. Whatever the last Wednesday of June is, I believe is the 29th. Uh, it's a 10 o'clock show. Um, it's, uh, I believe, only $10. But if you um, if you like Full Belly Laughs on Facebook or drop us a line, I can get you a discount ticket if you really want to see me perform stand-up. But yeah, uh, uh, Wednesday night, 10 o'clock, Helium in Philadelphia, June 29th, stand-up. Yes, and that is you have at least well from what if you're hearing that plug right now, and I'll make sure to plug it in part one as well. Uh, but uh, if you're hearing it now, that's a week away because I believe you this this second part of the episode is June 22nd. Oh, cool. So, 
So just in time, you guys have time uh, to, to hit it up and and uh, and whatnot. Uh, make sure you check out Full Belly Laughs on uh, wherever podcasts are available, whatever you choose. Uh, if it's iTunes, subscribe and leave some pleasant reviews. Uh, while you're there, you should probably also follow this podcast. Everything is awesome and leave a five star review. I don't even I don't even bury the lead. I don't even just say leave an honest review. Just a five star. You could say it's a piece yeah. of shit. Just leave a five star review. You, you just make it five stars. Whatever you want. If you give us that five stars, it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's all, that's all yeah. I care about. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at hhwst. You can follow the show on Twitter. It's a new Twitter at okay real awesome pod and uh, a brand new website at awesomepodcast.com uh yet again brian thank you for being on the show it was a blast uh i i hope you are willing to do it again in the future uh because it was a lot of fun i had a and this is uh and i say this every time but it is this is definitely um uh, one of my favorite conversations and it, this i don't say every time it is definitely one of the most uh, enlightening conversations oh, i yeah. had uh, especially about card games and cool, stuff so you. it was and social media yeah so it was a lot of fun it was a blast uh for everything is awesome i'm kev he's brian and we'll see you next time right here only on awesomepodcast.com everything is awesome is produced by crude humor studios for more information about the podcast please visit us online at awesomepodcast.com or if you're interested in advertising on the show please email us at advertising at crudehumorstudios.com stream and download all episodes on itunes while you're there please consider leaving a five-star review if you're a fan of the show please let us know by following us on twitter and instagram at that entertains